The following is a presentation from the Recycling Council of Alberta's 2020 webinar series, Building Resiliency of Material Systems. The RCA would like to thank our supporters for making this webinar possible, including Platinum Sponsor, the Alberta Beverage Container Recycling Corporation. In this segment, Natalia Papu-Corone, a lead researcher for Circle Economy based in the Netherlands, shares the latest impact report on resiliency and circularity. Thanks again for having me here. Uh, as Christina mentioned, we recently completed a scoping research uh, in connecting the, um, the circular economy with resilience. And we basically asked ourselves, together with the team at Circle Economy, how can uh, circularity make our, our economies and our labor markets more resilient? Um, but maybe just for a, for a little context first, um, Circle Economy, for those who, who have never heard of us, we are a not-for-profit organization. Uh, we are based off uh, the Netherlands, Amsterdam, um, and we work with businesses and cities uh, uh, and different associations across the world uh, to help them transition into uh, circularity. So basically, our, our mission is to deliver practical and scalable solutions to implement uh, the circular economy. And maybe, yeah, taking two steps back, I wanted to share why we, we decided to, to start this research. Basically, what we see today is that we are increasingly being faced with, with a world that is characterized by uh, unsustainable material consumption. So each year, our global economy is consuming more than 100 billion tons of materials, uh, and only 8.6, so close to 9% of them, are cycled back. That is a very wasteful economy uh, that is a result of the, of the linear system that, that we have today. Um, and what we've seen with this, with this crisis that hit us a few months back is that uh, this linear system is really uh, supporting a very uh, fragile uh, system that is very prone to disruptions um, caused by, by shocks, uh, as the current uh, pandemic has shown. Uh, and this ends up with uh, broken supply chains, with staggering employment, and many other weaknesses that we can see come through. Uh, and this research came along at the moment also when here in the EU the new circular economy action plan was uh, was published so it was published just a few days before um, covid hit uh, hard in march so uh, we thought this is a, a perfect opportunity to really look into okay how circular economy really enhances or hinders the resilience of, of systems and we know that the circular economy has been more and more presented as a solution to many of these of the issues that the the current crisis has unearthed. Um, and of course, we believe that by designing out waste and pollution, by keeping products and materials in use for as long as possible, and by regenerating our systems, um, we. The, the circular economy does allow us to, to reimagine, to redesign our systems, uh, to realize an ecologically um, safe and a socially just space for all. Uh, but at the same time, we have lately seen the circular economy being presented as a magic potion, you would say, a silver bullet, 
um, to build back better, uh, whilst uh, not really ensuring that all of the circular economy strategies and actions developed are really supporting also the building of a, of a more resilient system uh, moving forward. So what we did ask ourselves is, um, how does the circular economy relate to resilience building? Uh, how it may support it and in which ways it warrants caution because we need to look into the strategies and see if they are uh, potentially hindering uh, resilience under certain circumstances. Um, and when we talk about resilience in our work, we talk as um, Christina already mentioned, we talk about the, the ability of a, of a system. It can be a social and natural and economic cultural system. Uh, to recover or adapt from, from a shock, which can be an economic crisis, pandemic, natural disaster, climate hazard. Um, and here highlighting the word adapt, because uh, again, as um, Vanessa just mentioned, we are not um, talking about recovering back to how things were. We are moving one step forward into adapting in, into the, the resilient um, system of the future. Um, and there we do need to talk about social ecological resilience, where we do a, a, a acknowledge that both um, the people and planet are intertwined completely and uh, the, the biosphere and the society are completely linked. So, so we really need to make that connection to be able to think about the resilience systems of, um, of the future. And uh, we based our research on a framework that is uh, existent. It's a, a framework that talks about seven principles to build resilience. Uh, and it has been developed by a, a large group of scholars and, and researchers uh, through the Resilience Alliance. And basically what we see is that to, to build resilience, we need to, to maintain diversity and redundancy of our systems. We need to manage uh, the connectivity of our systems correctly we we need to also manage slow variables so not only thinking about those uh, rapidly or fast moving variables as you could think in a social system such as um, job creation and job loss but also looking into legal systems value systems that take longer uh, to change we really need to focus circular economy actions uh, on those uh, variables as well to really make sure that we are planning for the long term and not only for the short term. So fostering complex uh, and adaptive systems, encouraging learning, how to broaden participation and to think about other uh, forms of governance uh, which are more inclusive than the ones that we have at the moment. So basically what we did through our research is see how these two are related. So how are circular economy practices, which we can see in the rows uh, to the left, uh, such as resource efficiency, shared resources, regenerative resources, how are they connected to um, the seven key principles of building resilience? And there we identified a few, of, uh, a lot of opportunities, but also a few risks that we need to, to pay attention to when we are designing circular economy solutions. Uh, so just to give an example, for example, in, in the way we're cycling clean the resources in the, in the circular economy, uh, we can increase resilience because we are, we're increasing the, the diversity of feedstocks available for one process. 
So we have uh, feedstocks available through different um, feedback loops, such as yeah, reuse, recycling, uh, remanufacturing, or refurbishment that can feed into the same uh, value chain. So maybe just to start with a few, um, a few of the opportunities that we could uh, highlight. The first one is the, the potential for decentralization. Um, where we see a great possibility in uh, the circular economy to increase resilience by decentralizing both uh, governance systems, but also, um, for example, utility systems or different material flows. Um, so talking about energy, waste and water systems and decentralization. Uh, we think this, um, this will bring both governance closer to the communities, but will also broaden the, the participation and, and access of, uh, of the communities and the, and the society. And it will distribute decision-making, which might have an influence over power imbalances that are currently very evident in the, in the system. So through the, through the research, we also talked um, with people around the world. We were looking for, for cases to exemplify how this uh, circular economy practices uh, can have an impact on, on the resilience of the system um, in practice. So um, yeah, it, with real life experience. So uh, one of the, of, the, of the cases or one of the persons we talked to was the, the, resilient, um, the resilience uh, officer from the city of Quito and they have developed in 2017 through the Global Resilience Cities Network. They have developed their urban resilience strategy. Um, and basic, it's basically focused on several sectors, uh, but the, the most uh, relevant ones for this research, we focused on mobility and food. Uh, and to talk about food, um, they focused both, both on food production, but also um, disposal of organic waste um, and handling of organic waste. So they set up several strategies to broaden citizen participation. Uh, one of them were uh, this eco-center pilots, as they named it, uh, where through different decentralized and localized uh, participatory, participatory groups, um, they set up different organic waste treatment locations. Uh, and they also um, set up uh, knowledge building or, or uh, knowledge awareness um, workshops in those locations for uh, youth to learn how to handle organic waste and how to create organic fertilizer that could then be used in urban farming uh, locations that they set up um, in the neighborhoods as well. So basically looking at how to empower um, yeah, smaller communities that sometimes were um, uh, faced exclusion from, from the interactions within the city, how to make them the, the, the protagonists, the main characters of, the, of their own, um, of the city's own food production uh, and organic waste uh, handling systems. Uh, they also um, set up other um, other strategies, so linked with the um, with how communities live with uh, industrial areas close by, 
uh, and they're identifying opportunities to recover value from waste flows from industrial processes uh, to, to reprocess into, uh, into valuable industry input that could then be used by, by uh, bordering communities um, for different uh, services and products. Another of the, of the strategies that really presents an opportunity for building resilience is the, the access to renewable, regenerative or cycled resources, which really increases the diversity of the system and the access to different uh, feedstock sources. Um, and this is also linked with uh, the management or how we manage those um, renewable and regenerative resources. Um, which is then back, linked back to um, the different types of governance. So for example, looking into public civil partnerships or uh, public private partnerships, or um, for example, the management of uh, waste flows uh, as byproducts in, in industrial park settings, uh, where multiple companies are managing together um, waste, uh, waste flows and treatments uh, and using them as resources for, um, for other uh, industries that are close by. Uh, and the other example could be, for example, in uh, regenerative material sourcing and processing practices. So really how uh, can the access to uh, regenerative um, regenerative material from uh, sourcing of, for example, uh, cotton fiber, how can it uh, increase the resilience of the system uh, against disruptions in, uh, in the supply chain and how does it build uh, improved uh, soil health for the community, but also um, improved um, yeah, food security and others that are resulting um, from the implementation of those regenerative practices. So um, we went to, we, we talked to um, Pradiva Syntex, which is a manufacturer, a vertically integrated manufacturer for textile knitted products. This means that they, um, they produce from the, the cotton farming to the garment manufacturing um, through different uh, companies. And they have really um, increased the efficiency of the resource use, both in water and in energy. They've cut down half of their water consumption and recycle, I think, 97% of their, of their water. Uh, in energy, they've, they've switched to, to biomass um, briquettes for, for boilers and, um, and are sourcing part of their energy from solar uh, panels from, for their manufacturing. But their biggest change was the shift to regenerative agriculture. Um, so they shifted from cotton monocropping to uh, multi-cropping and intercropping with about 25 different crops, with open, which opened up both as for diversifying their business um, but also improved in, uh, really their soil health and um, their reduced dependency on, on one single industry. And this had especially a, a big impact on um, the diverse, diversification of the farmer's income. Uh, so they work with around 1,000 farmers uh, and 
they have seen an increase of 20% of their income and also a, a decreased dependency of the farmers on one single crop um, and one single industry. So this is also building resiliency for their operations. But then obviously we also found certain uh, potential risks that could hinder the building of resilience in, in circular economy systems. Um, and one, um, the first one we found was um, resource efficiency practices. Obviously by designing out waste and leakages, um, we can uh, increase the efficiency of the system, we can make more lean, leaner systems, um, but uh, we are also uh, reducing redundancies of the system. And that sometimes uh, leads us to uh, fragility. So if we don't have uh, the, the excess uh, stock and we have a disruption, that would mean that in some, in some cases we would be more vulnerable, vulnerable um, to, to stay in the, uh, in the game in the face of a disruption or to really recover from it. But at the same time, when you have too much redundancies in a system, when we have too many uh, substitute or excessive elements in them, we create very wasteful systems. Um, so the, the question of uh, striking an effective balance between efficiency and redundancy uh, is really important to implement circular, the circular economy whilst building uh, resilience for our systems. And the other, um, the other potential risk we've, uh, we've seen when analyzing the, the relationship between both of them is that um, we see that more and more um, circular offer offerings are including online platforms, are including on-demand manufacturing, on-demand construction. Uh, and this is usually linked um, currently with uh, more flexible work contracts. Uh, which are very common in, in platform and gig economy, but uh, they do not, um, today they are not related to the same workers' uh, rights and, uh, and legislation that um, uh, full-time work employment contracts or permanent working contracts. Uh, so whilst uh, the, the shifting labor contracts may, uh, may give an opportunity for, for businesses to innovate and to respond shortly uh, to disruptions with changes in, in their worker schemes, uh, this also creates vulnerability for the individual workers. So again, the question here is how do we strike a balance uh, that is just? Uh, and that is inclusive between the individual and organizational resilience. So really, how do we ensure we are creating resilience for both individuals and the organization? So basically, this was an overview of, of uh, our research and uh, we yeah, very much look forward to, to sharing the, the link to the report with all of you and um, and really applying this resilience thinking efforts into uh, shaping the circular economy and shaping the transition. Because uh, I think this is what will help us uh, ensure that this new economic paradigm really creates a positive value both for, for society, for people and for the planet and not only focus on the environmental uh, gains of, of, the, of the circular economy. 
uh, and very much looking forward to to how the how you see this um, this research this this highlighted opportunities and risks are um, could be addressed in the Canadian context so yeah looking forward to the discussion and thank you very much for for listening thank you for listening to this 2020 webinar series podcast search for on the cusp Alberta's circular podcast on iTunes and Google Play for more from the RCA or visit recycle.ab.ca to see the full presentations.